Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence once again, along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards as we cross over Christmas and get closer and closer to New Year's and all the college football bowl games with the NFL playoffs on deck. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, first of all, I want to wish you and your family, Sandy, everybody, a very Merry Christmas. And I hope Santa is good to you during the Christmas holiday and this football season. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, right back to you and to Colleen and, of course, to everybody in our Playbook staff, not to mention all of our uh, podcast uh, listeners and podcast viewers as well. Real good. Uh, it's that time of the year. And uh, with that, we, we talk about the college football bowl games they're underway right now. I, I got to say, my first impression is these early bowl games are not all that impressive as far as matchups are concerned, and I don't feel bad for having missed a few of them. Uh, they just weren't appealing enough. But nonetheless, there have been some results that we can talk about here. And the first thing that I didn't know is Victor. Before I turn it over to you, is how good the dogs have done, especially when playing off a win so far in the bowl games. There have been five of them at the time we do this podcast, and all five have won the money. Old dogs off a win, 5-0 and off the start this bowl season. Coming up this week will be the Air Force, Missouri, UL Lafayette, Middle Tennessee State, and New Mexico State. Those are the other teams coming up in, within the next week that will be dogs coming off wins. There are, by the way, for our listeners and viewers out there, 13 more such teams that Check the box for this particular angle that's working pretty well in the bowl games right now. You can find out who those teams are in the bowl guide. And one quick note here, Victor, favorites of less than five points in bowl games are just one and five to the spread so far, 0 and five when they're off a win. So those are the trendy kind of things that I saw. Let our listeners know what you picked up so far on the college football bowl games, if you will. Well, first off, Mark, everybody can get their bowl report. It is still available. We're only 11 bowl games into it, so it's definitely required reading and available at the playbooksports.com website. Uh, as I just said, there's been 11 games up until 9. Now, as we record the podcast here on a Wednesday afternoon, dogs have gone 6-5 and five ATS overall. A nice little caveat that you already dug up in the fact that the Bull Dogs, when playing off a loss, already a perfect 5-0 and against the spread. Uh, nicely done there. And in it terms will make that of, off a win, Victor. Those Bull Dogs off a win. Off a win. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Mark. Uh, in terms of the totals, that's kind of our niche. And uh, through the first 11 Bull games, it's been all about the under. Only three games have gone over. Eight of the 11 games have gone under the total. It has been pretty low scoring thus far. The only bowl overs thus far, uh, Rice and Southern Miss uh, in the Lending Tree Bowl, they went over the total by, oh, more than two touchdowns in their particular game. 
The game that was played uh, was at Monday night, the Idaho Potato Bowl, Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. That game went over the total by two touchdowns as well. And the third game that went over was the game that we covered last week on the podcast, the Frisco Bowl out of Texas. I think we hit both sides of that game, Mark, with North Texas covering the spread against Boise State. And thanks to a really, really high-scoring second half, we somehow hit the over in that game. Final score, 35-32. to 32. Both teams combined for 51 points in the second half to propel that one over the total. Yeah, we checked both of those boxes in that bowl game, Victor, here. And we're going to do a pretty popular bowl game for our college bowl game of the week when we get to that segment. So I want, we want our listeners to stay tuned. We've got some pretty nice stats and facts you'll want to mark down and note because it'll be a pretty popular watched bowl game, I should say. Let's go over to the NFL side of things, Victor, uh, and take a look at what happened last week. And I don't remember, maybe I'm wrong, maybe my memory's getting short, which is probably more likely the latter. <laughs> uh, I've never remember seeing so many dramatic finishes in my life than I witnessed last week. Uh, now, whether they were reversals in bowl scores, reversals against the spread, whatever they happen to be, every game it seemed had its own story about them. Uh, you can take a look at, uh, I'm going to call out the fact about Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and how they blew a 17 to nothing lead at the half or just approaching the half. They kicked the field goal rush before. And then he comes out in the third quarter and throws four interceptions, which lead to 31 unanswered points for Cincinnati. Just mind-boggling to me, just mind-boggling. And uh, only because we had Tampa Bay in the game, and I'm probably a little bit resentful about all that, is the fact that it just convinced me that Tom Brady's better days are now officially in the rearview mirror. Uh, but that's kind of what I saw out of the NFL football card last week. What did you pick up on, Victor? Uh, I would definitely agree with that. One of the wildest weeks in NFL history, you had a team eclipsing uh, the most points at halftime in NFL history as the Vikings came back from, what, a 33-0 deficit at half, all the way back in that Saturday win over the Atlanta Falcons, who have now uh, benched Matt Ryan again. Yep. And Nick, Nick Foles will be getting the start this week uh, for the Indianapolis Colts in their particular game. Uh, 12 of the 15 games in Week 15 were decided by only one score, and all 15 games were decided by 11 points or fewer. That's prior to the Monday night game. Those both tie the record for the most in a single week in NFL history. And in this upcoming week, it could be where we could very well see that every single outdoor game in the NFL could be affected in a negative way by Mother Nature. We're talking about basically the entire league except for the Dome home teams. Uh, they're calling it a, a bomb cyclone out there, the people at the Weather Channel. And again, we already know it's going to disrupt holiday travel big time, not to mention the NFL outdoor games across most of the lower 48 states. Uh, just a couple of games you're going to want to pay attention to because the lines have moved so much. First off, you got to talk about the Brown Saints game. It bottomed out at 31 points. That's an over-under line in the NFL. Are you kidding me? We're, to <laughs> we're talking Army-Navy numbers here. We're talking yes, we the military schools playing each other. Now, with that said, the line has come up in the last 24 hours to a 32. There's even a couple of 32 and a halfs. <laughs> it's still a low over underline, but that's a game where you should perhaps 
pass if you're thinking of playing the over or maybe even consider going the other way. But Saints-Browns looks like wind chills in the negative degrees, wind gusts anywhere from 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. The Bills-Bears game could very well have a very nasty uh, uh, conditions there in the Windy City. Even some of the games played in the southern half of the country, the game in Tennessee, the game in Carolina, not to mention the games in the Northeast could all be impacted. But again, it is a big time bomb cyclone, they are calling it. Again, we're hoping that all of our podcast listeners are careful, particularly if you're traveling this weekend. But there could be a lot of snow on the ground as we watch the games on Saturday and Sunday. Well, Victor, you did a great job in the totals tip sheet this week, uh, outlining those games in particular that you're talking about and what some of those projected temperatures and wind chill factors are expected to be in those games. If you haven't seen a copy of the totals tip sheet, I advise you to download a copy now. Not only did the total tip sheet come off a nice week again last week, you can get privy to all those information on these cold, frigid bowl games. And one other note in passing while we're on that subject, Victor, uh, I noticed that there are six games that are being played this week in the National Football League involving dome teams that are going to be in frigid weather sites. Frigid weather sites with dome teams. That's not a good mix, okay? Uh, you might want to check those out this particular week. You know, one of them obviously being New Orleans at the Browns, you know, which is obviously the game we're talking about. But check that out. Be, be aware of that. Six dome teams playing outdoors in frigid temperatures, even including Carolina Nashville, where it's going to be below freezing in that football game as well. So check that out. On a quick note here, Victor, uh, let's get into what we like to talk about from our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado, about the league's most embarrassed team in the National Football League last week. And, you know, there were probably a few teams that could well have been nominated for that honor, but how could you not nominate the Indianapolis Colts after that complete collapse that they had against the Minnesota Vikings? Unbelievable. The Texas Tornado nominates the Colts. I have to agree. Victor, what's your thought on that subject? Uh, you could easily throw the Colts in there. You touched on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the top of the show. For those of you who had Tampa Bay in that particular game, you pretty much got screwed. I was on the under in that game. Uh, those guys also kind of got screwed. Yep. You know, with Tom Brady turning the ball over with regularity in the third quarter of that game, creating multiple short fields for the Cincinnati offense. It was, it was, uh, uh, what, one, two, three. Cincinnati scored 31 points in the second half of that game, four touchdowns, one field goal. All the points in the second half came on short fields thanks to Mr. Brady either fumbling the ball or his teammate fumbling the ball or him throwing interception. Uh, Tampa definitely is one of those teams that you could put out there in terms of embarrassment, along with the Arizona Cardinals, who are down to their third-string quarterback and scored only 15 points uh, in their loss, what, 24 to 15 against Denver. So I would agree with you in regards to the Colts. You could also put the Buccaneers in there, Mark. You could also put the Arizona Cardinals in there as well. I do have the uh, dog numbers from last week. We may as well run through those sure. real quick, Mark. A good week for the underdogs. 9-6-1 ATS for the dogs last week. One of those dogs was Mark Lawrence's five-star game of the month, the NFL. The Chicago Bears, they got a touchdown or more at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Nicely done. I'm sure Mark was sweating a little bit 
when Philadelphia went up by double digits in that game, but the Bears came back with a fourth quarter backdoor touchdown to get the cover in that game. Again, nicely done. Another one of many best bet winners for Mark Service over the last now seven weeks in both college football and in the NFL. So again, last week, dogs, nine, six, and one on the year in the NFL. 118, 97, and 8 ATS. I've got two really good systems that you may want to take a look at this particular week. Divisional home dogs playing off a loss have gone 15 and 3 ATS on the year. Very solid 80%. And that applies this week to the Houston Texans who are on the road against a suddenly reeling Tennessee Titans team. And then the best situation for road dogs this year. Here's a good one. 22 and 9 ATS for any road dog who's playing with revenge versus an opponent coming in off a loss. That applies to three dogs this particular week. The Thursday dog, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Once again, the Houston um, uh, Texans qualify in that system as well. And the Atlanta Falcons uh, this week uh, as they are on the road as well. Those are the three dogs in that 22 and ATS situation. In terms of over-unders, eight overs, eight unders. We're still on a low scoring pace. We're only at 44.2 points per game on the season. Yeah, we had a couple of shootouts last week, but seven games had 40 or less points as well to kind of balance out those particular numbers, Mark. Well, Victor, you mentioned uh, the Houston Texans. You mentioned the Tennessee Titans. And I'm mentioning this because in our newsletter this week, I wrote a Bet You Did No column, and it was called Dead Man Walking, one of my favorite artist Bruce Springsteen songs. And there are two qualifying plays in this Dead Man Walking uh, card this particular weekend. It plays against the Jets, and it plays against Tennessee. And there are also, out of my database, the well-oiled machine, a lot of other angles that play against Tennessee. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up here is uh, what we're seeing in Tennessee here, Victor, is a team that doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. We've talked a lot about them all season long. They've hung around in the playoff uh, in the playoff picture, if you will, uh, despite the fact that they didn't earn their status. And uh, right now, but you, with what you mentioned, with I wrote up in the, the newsletter about Tennessee being a dead man walking team, might want to take a look at those Houston Texans this particular week. And speaking about the playoffs, Victor, here's an update on the playoff picture going into this weekend. The number one seeds stay the same, the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. Number two seeds stay the same, Kansas City and Minnesota. I still can't believe how Minnesota is a number two seed for the way they're playing. But nonetheless, they are. All four of those teams have clinched a playoff berth. And by the way, Victor, you also mentioned about the close call games in the National Football League last week. It should be noted that Minnesota is a perfect 10-0 against the spread in close call games this year. They've been in 10 football games that are close call one-score games, and they've won them all, the Minnesota Vikings. So very fortuitous, I'd say, the Vikings this football season. The number three seeds, the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers, who are also the other team in the NFL that has clinched a playoff berth. Checking in at number four, the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Bucks, by the gift of grace of the rules of the National Football League only, because they don't deserve to be there, neither team. The number five seeds, the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, although they're the number five seed, Dallas has clinched a playoff berth. They're going to be hosting Philadelphia in a big football game. 
Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. Number six seeds, the LA Chargers and the New York Giants. And the number seven and final seeds, Miami and Washington, with a lot of company breathing down their necks. Uh, this is going to go right down to the, to the wire here. And in fact, you can go you can go 14 deep as far as the seeds are concerned. Uh, there's been very few teams that have been eliminated so far. We'll see a lot more of this particular week. But uh, right right now, these teams are clawing and hanging around, if you will, to see exactly if they'll finish in the playoff picture. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And Victor, what do you say? Let's hop it over to the bowl games. Let's take a trip out to Hawaii for one of our favorite bowls, the Hawaii Bowl, which this year will take place on Christmas Eve, December 24th. This bowl game has been canceled each of the previous two years, but by the grace of God, they will play this year. I don't see any COVID entering the picture this particular year. So, Victor, how do you see the Hawaii Bowl with Middle Tennessee State and San Diego State shaping up Christmas Eve? Right. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. The last two editions have been canceled uh, thanks to COVID. So we are definitely saying this week, welcome back to the Big Island for Christmas Eve. And, of course, you know, Mark, to our uh, to our Hawaii podcast listeners, we also say Mele Kalikimaka. And, of course, Merry Christmas in Hawaii. Mele Kalikimaka. Now, six of the last eight Hawaii Bowls have been double-digit blowouts. I'm sure Mark will have something to say about that in his side play portion. Uh, Middle Tennessee State and San Diego State. The game opened at 47.5 in terms of the over-under line. It has gone up. It's anywhere from 49 to 49.5 as we record the podcast here on uh, Wednesday afternoon, they're kicking it off out there in Hawaii, what, at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And on the season, Middle Tennessee State, 6-5-1 and one over under. The average line in Blue Raider games has been 57.6. The average combined points, 57.0. Basically right on the number and pretty much a dead even over under team on the season. San Diego State, it is no surprise. They've had more unders and overs. It's been like that now. We're going on six, seven years in a row. Five overs, seven unders on the season uh, for the Aztecs. Average line significantly lower than their counterparts, only 43.7 on the season. And average combined points in San Diego State games, only 41.5. Now, and, you know, it's been a weird year for the Aztecs. Uh, the opening of their brand new shiny, awesome Snapdragon Stadium was pretty much a total flop way back in September when they lost to Arizona 38 to 20 to kick off uh, an ugly run of offense for them in a kind of rocky two and three start. They then switched offensive coordinators, and then former Mississippi State quarterback Jalen Maiden took over under center. And, and you probably don't remember, but he was a fourth-string quarterback way back in the summer for the Aztecs. And things improved. Things did click a little bit on offense. They were averaging 19 points per game, and they improved to 23 under their new quarterback. Now, uh, on defense, this is a team that didn't quite dominate like they did last year, but still they only allowed 20.2 points per game on the season one of only 20 college football programs to do so. You know, on the flip side, 
the Blue Raiders had a rough start. Also, they went three and four to start the season, but they closed out things with wins in each of their last three games. Yes, uh, Chase Cunningham is a decent quarterback. Uh, Nineteen and nine is his TD and interception ratio on the year. But with that said, there are still 74 other starting quarterbacks in college football that are ranked higher than Cunningham in total QBR. So he's not definitely one of those stud quarterbacks that an overbetter would look to ride. And by far, this is the best defense that Middle Tennessee State has faced all season long. In their two conference games against good defenses, that would be UAB and Western Kentucky, the Blue Raiders only scored 31 total points. That's an average of 15.5 points per game. And Mark, sealing the deal for me is something that I read from the playbook 2022 College Bowl Guide. And that is both of these teams. Somebody mentioned it in the write-up. It's probably this guy over here. You think so? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but these two teams are fantastic. Middle Tennessee State ranked number two in the country in red zone defense, while San Diego State ranked number four. And basically for over-under betters, what does that possibly mean? It means potentially more field goals and less touchdowns. And that's what under-betters prefer, obviously. You know, on a side note, San Diego State is notorious for a slow-paced offense. They won one of the slowest tempos in all of college football. In fact, six slowest in offensive plays per game. Only 62 offensive plays per game. The average in college football is somewhere around 78 to 80 offensive plays per game. So with that said, Mark, I think a small wager is in order on the under in this particular game. But only if we can capitalize and get a line of 49 or more points. That's the way we'll be looking under the total. And again, to all of our Hawaii podcast listeners, mele kalikimaka. Well, thank you very much, Victor. Good overview on what to expect from an over-underscoring aspect in the football game. He's going under the total with the San Diego State slots in the football game. Slow, slow, <laughs> slow offense, slow moving. I like it. And Middle Tennessee State. Uh, I was going to call out the fact that these are number two and number four red zone defensive football teams. Good job by Victor there. Uh, as you know, Rick Stockstill has been one of my favorite coaches in all of college football for the longest of times. Even when he had his son as the quarterback, he still won football games. It's because they they pay attention and they come to work. They're blue-collar type football team, and they come in every game they play. Victor mentioned they closed out 3-0 and to earn this bowl bid, and I'm sure he's going to remind them that they did just that. They earned this bid, and they belong here. Stock still in his career when he takes on an opponent that's off a loss. He's 14-5-1 against the spread. He takes advantage of that particular role. San Diego State checks in here with the number 117th ranked offense. In fact, they're averaging only 272 yards a game against fellow bowl teams this year. There's nothing that's going to wake up the San Diego State offense anytime soon, I can assure you that. San Diego State, in games against teams out of the Sun Belt Conference, they played five of them in my database going all the way back. They're 1-4 and four straight up and 0-5 oh and against the spread. And Victor mentioned about the Hawaii Bowl favorites where there have been some big blowout margins, but you take a look at the favorites in the Hawaii Bowl, they're just 6-12 and 12 to the spread overall the last 18 games. 1-7 the last eight games are favorites in Hawaii Bowls. 
What I like particularly in this game is you got a Mountain West Conference bowler taking on a South our Sunbelt Conference team. Those bowlers are four and eight against the spread that works uh, in this particular game. But more importantly, Middle Tennessee State fits the bill of what we talked about in the opening of the show. They're a dog off a loss. And in that role themselves this year, what were they? A perfect five and oh to the spread. Pretty nice, Middle Tennessee State. We'll take them plus the points against San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, along with Victor King, as we go against the spread in this week's college and pro football cards. And speaking about pro football, Victor, let's do our National Football League game on what has to be the game of the week in the National Football League this week. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys in what could well be a preview of the upcoming football playoffs in the National Football League. Victor, how do you see these two division rivals slugging it out on Sunday? I'm excited excited about this game, Mark. Despite the fact that the line has moved significantly, I am on the over in this particular game with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Now, again, the over-under line, uh, excuse me, the side has moved Philly plus one to about plus five and a half, plus six points. Uh, The over-under line has gone from 15 and a half down to the current number of 46. So with that said, we can assume that quarterback Jalen Hurts of the Eagles is worth about five points to the point spread and about five, five and a half, maybe six points to the over-under line. And I'm going to make a wager on the over. Now that, A, we've got a little bit of value, and the fact that our favorite backup quarterback in the entire league will be going. You know, in fact, some of the sharps out there, Mark, are saying that Gardner Minshew is good enough to start for many quarterback dysfunctional teams right here and right now. He's made 22 career starts thus far. And, of course, our boy uh, Uncle Rico has a lifetime TD to interception ratio of 41 touchdown passes and only 12 interceptions. He made two starts for Philadelphia last season. Both games went over the total with an average of 64.0 combined points per game. That includes the very last game of the season when they rested Jalen Hurts, and Dallas beat Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew by a final score of 51-26. to So with Minshew, I'm not worried about Philadelphia getting to the 23-24 point or higher mark that could uh, potentially propel this game to a W for us over betters. We already know that in the last four meetings, this Philadelphia-Dallas series has gone a perfect 4-0 to the over and with a nice gaudy average of 59.0 combined points per game. I've got some database numbers that also point to this game going over the total despite the quarterback switch. The fact that this is Philadelphia's third straight road game in a row. This has gone 15-3 and over under dating back the last 20 years. Divisional underdogs in their third straight road game when the over-under line is greater than 38 points. Uh, Last week, of course, we talked about the Eagles on the road against the Chicago Bears. They were heavy road chalk. And it's a big-time line change this particular week. A role reversal is what they call it. In the last four seasons, NFL underdogs of less than seven points who were road favorites of eight or more in their last game, a perfect 7-0 and to the over. 
meanwhile, you know, if you read our totals tip sheet or what we talked about last week on the podcast, Mark, you already know about the season's high scoring tendencies in a low scoring season in indoor games. Yes. Dome favorites have now gone 24 and one. That's 20 overs, four unders since week two when the over-under line in these games is 44 or more points. Wow. Uh, we'll close the play with a search for any in-division over-under tendencies. We create a, a subset in our database of all NFC East divisional games. And uh, what do I got here? NFC East division games in which the home team is favored, like Dallas, have gone a perfect 8-0 to the over in the last two seasons when the over-under line is greater than 41 points. Average margin plus 10.9 points per game. There you have it. I'm loving the value at the current number of 46. Mark, we're going over the total. Despite the fact that Jalen Hurts is not in the game, it's going to be Uncle Rico and the Philadelphia Eagles making things difficult for the Dallas Cowboys this week, and we're playing over the total. Victor likes that well-lit scoreboard at Jerry's World on Saturday in the big showdown game between the Cowboys and the Eagles to get over that total. Victor mentioned earlier this year that the Eagles did defeat Dallas at home 26-17. to They own that one edge, if you will, that mental edge in this football game. They want to keep it, especially being the number one seed in the NFC Conference coming in here. I also want to mention this is the first time this year that the Philadelphia Eagles will dress up as an underdog this football season. They've been favored in every game they played. Now they're taking a healthy amount of points, something close to a touchdown come kickoff time. That's very, very notable, noteworthy. Gardner Minshew, Victor mentioned the backup quarterback comes in this game. I'll say this, yes, he struggled in his last nine starts. He's only one and eight straight up and two points spread covers. But in his career, as a division dog, Gardner Minshew has cashed five out of seven times including a perfect 4-0 when he's a dog of five or more points in division games. The Dallas Cowboys check in here with a horrible record in games as home favorites when they limp home off a loss. They're despondent. They just can't get themselves back up. They can't do anything about it. They're just 8-25-1 against the spread in this particular role. Dak Prescott comes in here at the quarterback for Dallas with the most interceptions in the league over the last eight games. He's the inter, uh, interception uh, leader thus far this year in the National Football League, and you cannot turn the football over against the Philadelphia Eagles if you expect to beat them. And, in fact, I did this study on Dak Prescott. In games in his career with the Dallas Cowboys, when he's been involved in games where he has had more turnovers than touchdown passes in those games, the Cowboys are only 6-12 and 12 in those football games. You've got Dallas here just 4-8 and eight straight up, 2-10 and 10 to the spread at home in the series in games when Philadelphia owns the better record, which obviously they do coming to this football game. I'm going to wrap it all up with this comment here that Philadelphia is the number two team in the National Football League this season in rush attempts per game. They rush at an average of 33.3 attempts per game, number two in the National Football League. And I realized a lot of that was with Jalen Hurts, but I don't see that changing in this football game here. They're not going to ask Gardner Minshew to fill the airwaves up here. You can trust me and believe me on that. They're also the number four team in the NFL in rushing offense, averaging 158 rushing yards a game. Give me the points with the better team here, the Philadelphia Eagles, for my side in this football game. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time once again for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I'm going to ask you how you're doing during the holidays, getting ready for the postseason coming up here in the National Football League and all the bowl games. I know they're keeping you busy these days this time of the year. Well, Mark, they certainly are. I was up until, uh, oh, probably about 2 a.m. Pacific time uh, this past evening uh, working on getting out some bowl information for some uh, for my newsletter and all that. And uh, I think we'll have some more of the same over the next week or so before things finally settle down, especially with the start of the NFL playoffs and the conclusion of the college season on January 9th with the winners of the uh, the two uh, semi-final playoff games uh, meeting head to head. As far as I'd like, well, first I'd like to wish everyone a very happy holiday season. And with the uh, 11 games on Saturday in the NFL, I'm hoping when you wake up on Sunday morning, you find winning tickets in your stocking and not lumps of coal. So let's have a successful start to what will be uh, an early uh, big schedule in the NFL. Uh, that uh, will have, of course, uh, the, th- the uh, three uh, Christmas Day games and uh, the one Monday night game to uh, conclude. Uh, it's hard to say. Week 16 already. Unbelievable. The season has flown by. Unbelievable. Week 16 in the National Football League. Where has the time gone? It's unbelievable, as Andy mentions here. Andy, as we always do, and by the way, your newsletter, I got a copy of uh, with your college football voters. A great job doing just that. It's a really, really a great read. And I encourage our listeners to get a hold of Andy Esco at TheLogicalApproach.com to check out everything he's got contained inside of his outstanding weekly football newsletter. Andy, with that, let's take a look now at what we've been doing every week throughout the season on the show here, the Las Vegas contest, the big boy contest in Las Vegas for an update of how things are going in Vegas as we head into Christmas weekend. Sure, Mark. Well, as we usually do, we start with the uh, classic contest that's been around for, oh, about 34 years, 34, 35 years, and that's the Westgate Super Contest. Uh, That's the one where you pick five games against the point spread. And through the first 14 weeks of the season, the consensus was uh, barely profitable, 37, 32, and 1, if you had followed the top five selections of the consensus of this year slightly under 1,600 uh, entries. Uh, This past week, however, was a very successful week for the players as the consensus selections went four and one, including winners in the top four selections, which were the Bengals, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Raiders. And actually, the fifth selection, which was the lone loser, was the opponent of one of the top five selections, the New York Jets, who in uh, in the contest it was a pick-and game, uh, they lost by three to the Lions at home. And so four and one brings the season to date record to 41, 33 and one works out to a 55.3 percentage, uh, w- well, winning rate, winning percentage uh, through the first 15 weeks. As we close in just three, three weeks remaining, meaning a total of just 15 picks to decide who's going to uh, cash and win this contest. Two contestants are tied for the lead with 52 and a half points. And that's one point better uh, than one contestant uh, who is in second play or well, actually tied for actually in third place with the two tied for the lead, 51 and a half. And it goes steadily down uh, to the point where there are 10 contestants tied at 47 and a half points, which is 63.3%. I note that because the contest pays the top 30 and ties, and we've got a total of 37 contestants currently in the money. 
And uh, those hitting 63.3% or 47.5 points or better are going to be in position right now or are in position right now uh, to cash. We'll see how that uh, falls out over the following uh, uh, three weeks. The Westgate Super Contest Gold, that's the $5,000 winner-take-all contest. We've been monitoring the leaderboard all season. And it's uh, getting into a bit of a tight contest, but the one contestant uh, through – uh, through 15 weeks, and it follows the identical format using the identical lines with the uh, Super Contest Classic. 51.5 out of a possible 75 points. That's 68.7%. Uh, that's good enough right now for a two-point lead over one contestant with 49.5. Actually, there are four contestants between 48 and 51.5, and, and then there's a drop-off of two and a half points to four contestants at 45 and a half. So they would have to have really an outstanding final three weeks to have a chance to win the one and only prize that will be $400,000 this year as a result of, of, ent- of 80 entries. And of course, uh, the top four are still in contention, although uh, that number one contestant with a two point lead in pretty good shape. If you figure that over the final three weeks, the, the leaders in this contest might go something along the lines of maybe 11 and four or 12 and three. So that's what those uh, trailing contestants face. Uh, we look every week at the Golden Nugget Contest. That's the contest where you make seven selections per week, and uh, it includes both college and pro games. Uh, there are 128 entries this year. The contest pays the top 20 and ties with places 1 through 10 making money, 11 through 20 getting their $1,000 entry fee. Uh, refunded. Uh, right now, the one contestant leader is at 65%, which is 61.9%, and that is a half point ahead of two contestants and one uh, contestant further behind at 64 points. Uh, the uh, contest, as I mentioned, pays the top 20 plus ties. Currently, there are 21 contestants in the money to collect, and that would take a, a, a total of 60 points or 57.1%. If you're looking for the people who are going to make money, I mentioned they pay the top 10 and ties. Right now, there are 11 in the uh, top 10, and those contestants who would be uh, making a profit on the contest are hitting 59.0%. We get now to the what has become the two most popular contests in terms of uh, entry form, entry fees and prizes and participation, and that is the, not the entry fees necessarily, but the number of entries, uh, the participation. That's the Circa Millions and the Circa Survivor. Looking first at the Circa Millions, fashioned right after the Westgate contest, five picks a week. Again, monitoring the top five picks in the consensus. We're looking at through 14 weeks, uh, 36, 30, and 4. That's 54.3%. Uh, the contestants, uh, the top five selections this past weekend, week 15, went just two and three. The winners were the numbers one selection, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the number five selection, the Detroit Lions. Those were the two winners. The two losers were the Bills laying the points but not covering against winning and covering but not uh, covering against uh, uh, Miami. Uh, the uh, Panthers losing outright as two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, to Pittsburgh. And the Vikings coming from way behind to tie and ultimately uh, win the game by a field goal laying three-and-a-half against Indianapolis. And, Mark, I don't know how far your memory goes back or mine, but uh, you'd have to think if, if Minnesota scored a touchdown on that overtime drive that won the game, that might have been the worst bad beat in the history of bad beats. It'd be very difficult to top that. Andy, it was like... Like watching the bridge over the River Kwai collapse is what In it was. In slow motion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, that uh, two and three result for the consensus brings the year-long results, the season-long results, the 38, 
33 and 4. That's just 53.3%, barely above uh, the break-even point where the uh, Westgate contest was after last week. Now, this contest pays the top 100 uh, plus ties share in the prize pool of $6 million. Of, uh, uh, it's a $6 million prize pool, I believe, or maybe $4 million. The winner gets a $1 million first place prize. Uh, one contestant leads the contest with 53.5 points. That's 71.3%. The only contestant hitting above uh, 70% in this field of uh, just under 4,700 entries. That's good for a one and a half point lead over three contestants who are tied at 52 points or 69.3%. For the entire contest, 62.7% or 129 entries are currently in the uh, position to cash. However, I will mention that of the 31 contestants who are tied with 129 entries, that means those. if this were the end of the contest, uh, those two contestants would be, those 31 contestants rather, would be splitting the prize money only for the uh, places 99 and 100, the final two paying places. And now the contest that has really attached worldwide attention continues to grow each year, and that's the Circus Survivor. That's a $1,000 entry fee. You pick a team to win straight up. As long as your team wins straight up, uh, you advance to the next week. If your team uh, loses or ties, it is eliminated. And over the course of the contest, you are only allowed to pick a team once. The contest is a 20-week contest because they split Thanksgiving weekend into two contests, and they do the same this weekend with Christmas week. Uh, last week, uh, heading into last week, there were 30 contestants alive out of the 6,133 entrants, or slightly under one-half of 1% 1 of the original field. There were six teams that were uh, selected the Vikings, Packers, Saints, Chiefs, and Browns all won. I'm not going to mention that, those totals, those, those selections yet, because the number one pick, the Washington Commanders, by losing to the Giants, eliminated more than half of the remaining field. Sixteen contestants went down with Washington on Sunday night, and that means that 16 were eliminated, 14 advance and remain alive, entering the first part of the Christmas week contest. And for the record, as I think it shows on the screen, the Vikings and Packers each had four selectors. The Saints had three. The Chiefs had two. And the Cleveland Browns had one of the uh, uh, 14 entries that were uh, successful and remain alive. So 99.77% of the field has been eliminated. 0.23 of the field, those 14 entries, just alive with four contest weeks remaining in the final three weeks of the season. Andy Isco with an update of the contest in Las Vegas as we get closer and closer to the finish line heading into this Christmas weekend. And Andy, if you would, I know our listeners would also love to know the advanced lines that are emanating out of Las Vegas this weekend. Some of the lines that we should be paying attention to this week that were opened up earlier on. Week uh, the, uh, last week and even at the beginning of the football season. Yeah, I'll mention a few of the changes again because it shows how much the performance of these teams through the first 15 weeks of the season, actually through the first 14 weeks, have changed between the over the over the summer lines and the lines right following week of 14's games that were posted for betting action. Uh, two days later on Tuesday after uh, the week 14, but before the week 15 games were played. For example, the Baltimore Ravens over the summer were nine and a half point home favorites over Atlanta. When the game was reposted, it went over the key number of seven and also the occurring number of eight. 
Baltimore opened a six and a half point uh, home favorite. When the lines were reposted on uh, on uh, Sunday night, it was seven. Lines currently at seven and a half. A switch of favorites, Carolina. Uh, over the summer was a three and a half was a three point home favorite against the Detroit Lions, but when the advanced ten day line came out, the Lions were two and a half point road favorites. After Sunday's actions, they opened as a three point road favorite at Carolina, currently two and a half. Uh, Buffalo, this is just because of what we thought of Buffalo, and maybe it says a lot about what we thought of Chicago at the start of the season. Buffalo, a seven and a half point road favorite before the start of the season. Actually, it seemed quite low because Buffalo was expected to be a behemoth throughout the season, and Chicago not expected to do all that well. And indeed, the Bears have been competitive, but it's not showing up in the win loss column. Nonetheless, the two day the ten day advance line had the Bills favored by ten. The reposted line on Sunday evening was nine. They've actually been bet down to eight and a half. Uh, the New England Patriots were two and a half point home favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champions over the summer. And uh, as a result of the performance of both teams, the advance line opened was reposted and remains with Cincinnati a three-point road favorite. The Las Vegas Raiders were one-point summertime favorites at Pittsburgh when the line was re was open 10 days in advance. The Steelers were one and a half were one and a half point home favorites, reposted at two and a half where it still remains. Uh, another game that was expected to be very competitive, Green Bay at Miami. The Packers were two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road over the summer. When the 10-day advance line came out, the Dolphins were three-and-a-half-point uh, yeah, three home favorites, reposted at four-and-a-half after the Packers played, uh, uh, excuse me, after Miami played uh, uh, their games. They opened as a six-point favorite and then down to uh, uh, four-point uh, home favorite. Rams, three-and-a-half-point home favorites before the season. Looks really weird right now because the Rams were the defending Super Bowl champions. Denver was expected to be a very strong team. That's why the low line, yet that line turned out to be a high line because the two, the 10-day advance line was a pick'em. After Sunday's action, the game was reposted with Denver a one-point favorite. After the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, Rams played, uh, it was a, a pick'em game, and then up to two and a half now with Denver being the uh, favorite. And finally, the, uh, for the, uh, the summertime lines, the Colts were two-and-a-half-point home favorites over the summer against the L.A. Chargers. The advance line, two-and-a-half ten days ago. Open Sunday night at three. They've been bid up to four-and-a-half-point uh, road favorites. Uh, I don't know if Victor talked about the significant movements just since the advance line came out with the totals. Now, I'm not talking now necessarily about the summertime lines, but I'm talking about the 10-day advance line. We've seen significant moves, a four-and-a-half-point move down in the Baltimore-Atlanta game. Uh, we've seen a five-point downward, downward move in the Chicago-Buffalo game. We've seen a five-and-a-half-point move down in the Saints-Browns game. Opened 38 10 days ago, got as low as 31-and-a-half, currently 32-and-a-half. Uh, we saw a move in the Giants game from 45 and a half up to 48 in their game at Minnesota. We saw the Texans against at uh, Tennessee go from 41 down to 36. Uh, we saw the Cowboys, and then that's the interesting game where I'll talk about the line move itself. Uh, actually, let me mention Tennessee because this one just happened earlier today. The advanced line was eight. The reposted line uh, Sunday was seven and a half. Tennessee now down to a four-point home favorite against the uh, uh, Houston. 
Texans. The Cowboys' advance line was two. It then opened Sunday night, one and a half. Then the news came out about Jalen Hurts being injured and probably at the time missing the game. So the line was reposted at five and a half. It actually went up as high as six, and I even saw a six and a half line out there. Now the word is that Hurts may play. Now that may just be a smokescreen, and Gardner Minshew is expected to be the starter all along, but that caused the line to go back down towards the five and a half where it currently is. So that's one of the more unusual moves. But the total move is interesting because that also occurred as a result of the uh, Hertz injury. It was 50 and a half, and it's now down to 47. So again, the expectation remains more likely than not that Hertz will not play in the Saturday game. That extra day uh, that they had played on Sunday might have made a difference. Uh, the Green Bay game has gone up in uh, three points from 46 and a half to 49 and a half. Again, warm weather climate. Most of these lines going down are due to the very low temperatures, wind conditions uh, in the outdoor stadiums in the Northeast to uh, uh, Midwest. Uh, finally, uh, the uh, Rams game, uh, 35 and a half, one of the lower totals based upon the performance of the teams, not weather related. That was the 10 day advance line. It opened at 35 and a half. It actually has ticked up. Um, uh, a, a point to 36 and a half, and I'm wondering if a special rule may have been instituted for this game, and that is the offense will be 12 against 11 to get some additional scoring. <laughs> Andy Isco with an update on those early advance lines in Las Vegas, uh, hectic movements with all the weather taking place across the country, especially those cold weather games that we talked about a bit early on in the show this week. And Andy, before we let you get out of here, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week as well. Well, there were a number of games I was considering, and the one that I'm going to use is one that I did like earlier, uh, but now I like even more. And unfortunately, it involves the uh, untimely and very tragic passing of Franco Harris, one of the arguably the best Pittsburgh Steelers player uh, in the dynasty of the Steelers and possibly in the entire history of the franchise. Uh, a tremendous football player, but even a better person. Beloved in the community. He remained after his days uh, as a Steeler in Pittsburgh. Of course, he went to Penn State, played under Joe Paterno in that great backfield uh, with uh, uh, Lydell Mitchell. Don't remember if Ted Qualick was on that team, but I think he was. He may have been uh, for one of the years before he graduated and went into the NFL. Uh, but I like this game even more. I expect, obviously, a tremendous uh, emotional effort from the team and from the fans. And in fact, the really tragic part, the sad part about this is that he's passed away two days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which the NFL has been promoting as a, a tribute all season. Uh, the uh, I think they're debuting the tribute film, The Football Life on Franco Harris on Friday night. And Franco's number is going to be retired, was planned on being retired, and uh, he was just excited about that back in September when it was uh, announced. But I like this game for a number of fundamental reasons. Number one, you can't trust the leaders, the Raiders if they get a lead. Uh, in fact, the way they lost last game is you, the way they won last game with the uh, uh, with the. Uh, pickoff uh, of the fumble by uh, Chandler Jones, who I think may have been invisible since he was in the middle of the lo logo, <laughs> of the Raiders logo and blended very in, in very, blended nicely with the uh, silver and black uniform into the silver and black uh, logo. The Raiders usually lose those kind of games, but uh, this is a Pittsburgh team that has played extremely well. Uh, Mark, uh, you I know you know it, you may have pointed it out earlier, uh, Pittsburgh 
has won the stats in each of its last four games and in five of its last six, and it's largely been to been to been due to what historically has been their strength, and that's their defense allowing roughly 300 yards in those games and occasionally lower than that. So fun from a fundamental standpoint, I like the way the Steelers are playing down the stretch as they still have an opportunity to make the playoffs, and also at the six and eight, they are looking to avoid. Coach Mike Tomlin's first non-winning record in his, uh, what, 15, 16 years as head coach of the uh, Steelers. Now, they do have some winnable games, but they're tough games on deck. This is a game that I think is winnable for them. You add the intangibles in there. Uh, I haven't seen any movement in the line in the few hours since uh, uh, the announcement of uh, Franco's passing has come out. So it's still available at uh, two and a half in most places. I've even seen uh, some twos with some uh, some heavy vig there. Uh, so I anticipate that this line may go up so uh, right now uh, as we do this podcast and probably hopefully for at least a few hours thereafter two and a half will still be uh, available um, you might want to buy it down to two and a half but I'm expecting a very good effort from Pittsburgh on both sides of the football Pickett is expected to play which is an upgrade over Trubisky notwithstanding the fact that Pickett is a rookie and again, it's it's a it's a it's a sad situation. It's an unfortunate situation that has caused me to like this game even more. But as I said, fundamentally, this was a game that I liked even before the news of uh, earlier today. Well, Andy Isco on the Pittsburgh Steelers and what might be one football game dedicated to the passing, the sudden passing, if you will, of Franco Harris. You know, these football players will be dedicating that game to him. And I was going to ask you, Andy, but I don't need to ask you. You almost answered the question with your commentary on the game about whether or not when players or coaches pass away, do the teams dedicate the game to that individual or is it more of a grim reaper type atmosphere lurking above where the players cannot concentrate on the game at hand because of the situation. But well, often, often it does, but you know, let's compare this to the situation with the passing of Mike Leach of Mississippi State, formerly Washington State. In fact, I had heard, and I'm not sure what the story is, that Gardner Minshew might be attending the memorial service. I'm not sure when that is, but of course he played under Leach at Washington State. But enough, the initial shock will have worn off by the time that Mississippi State plays their bowl game, which suggests that rather than still be in shock and hanging their heads and we don't want to play this game, they will be very revved up. I liked Illinois in the game initially based on the fundamental matchups. I'm not sure I can play them. I might end up certainly looking at Washington State in the first half of that game. And I think that even though this is so close to the game time, there's still 48 hours before kickoff. I think the players and the organization will process it. And the fact that is that this was going to be a Franco Harris tribute anyway because of the immaculate reception and the retirement of his jersey, that there will be enough time that that will overcome Continue. any lasting uh effects of the shock and say we've got a chance right now to do what we were going to do anyway they were going frank was going to be there of course and they were going to dedicate the game to him i think that their the emotion will be even that much stronger it would have been a lot different if the situation occurred on the morning of the game where the shock would not have worn off i'm sure everybody is grieving today and in shock they'll process it they'll get together as a meeting you know they'll they'll be calm in their meetings on on friday and then I think by the time Saturday comes around, we will get the effort. And I think it's going to be important, not just to the players on the field, but all the former Steelers who will be in attendance at, as well. 
I concur 100%, Andy. I like the selection, and I like the rationale, and I like the reasoning behind the passing of Franco Harris. I think you'll see a big inspired effort by the Pittsburgh And again, Steelers. you still have the fundamentals as well. On top of it as well to boot, right, exactly. Andy Isco on the Pittsburgh Steelers for his complimentary call on the football card this week. Andy, I'm going to wish you the best of luck this particular weekend. Happy holidays to you and yours. Enjoy all the festivities, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here before we get into the New Year's Day card here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Thanks, Mark, and I wish to you, Victor, all the viewers and listeners, a very happy and healthy holiday season with uh, great times as we enter this festive part of the year, exit the year itself with the wishes which we'll uh, repeat again next week for a happy, healthy, prosperous uh, 2023. Uh, be well, my friend. Thank Thanks, you Andy. so much. Thanks, that guys. Was- that was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with a great overview on the contest in Vegas, the advanced lines, and a complimentary play, if you will. Before I get to my awesome angle on the show this week, my good friend Jim Feist, also from Las Vegas, has got a complimentary play that he wants to share with you. I hope you've enjoyed his hot hand on these complimentary video plays here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. You can tune in at PlaybookSports.com to check out all of Jim Feist's video selection free plays. Jim, take it away, if you will. Hello, everybody, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a wonderful new year ahead of us, healthy and happy for everybody. Last week in the NFL, some of the craziest finishes, turnarounds, 33 nothing. you lose the game. Brady turns the ball over a ton of times in the second half. And then, of course, you had the Raiders and how they won. Everybody's talking about it. I'm not going to beat that up, but some crazy coaching. Belichick, uh, man, I'll tell you what he's doing in New England is absolutely amazing, and it's not good. This week, I got a free play in the NFL. The Saints, who are an indoor team going to the Browns. Now, the Browns, we know that they have some weather issues at times, and, of course, it's a little early to know exactly what's going to happen on Sunday, but they're right on Lake Erie, and a lot of times it's windy, it's cold. And like I said, the Saints are an indoor team. They won last week, but they didn't look very impressive against their rookie quarterback. Watson is coming into shape. He's starting to get the rust off. The Browns with Chubb, they can run the ball. The Browns are the play here. I like the Browns. Now, when a game gets around three, three and a half, or whatever it is at the time kickoff, I like the money line here. I'm going to play Cleveland Browns on the money line to beat the Saints on Sunday morning. And again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks, Jim. Great information as always. And with that, let's move over to our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week. This is one of my favorite angles, guys. I'm going to share it with you. I really kind of kept this under my belt for the longest of times, but I want to share it with our listeners and our viewers out there because it is one terrific angle. I call it the classic division sandwich. And what happens in a game like this is, first of all, you don't get too very many plays. It's in the National Football League. It involves teams that are coming off back-to-back division games taking on a non-division opponent with back-to-back division games on deck. Square right in the middle is this non-division opponent. The very best of all the workings of this classic 
division sandwich works this way. You play against them when they're playing a non-division opponent as a favorite. They're coming off these back-to-back division games with back-to-back division games up on deck next. And the over-under total in the game is 38 or fewer points. Just that simple. Since 1980, these classic division sandwich plays have gone 20 and 4 against the spread. That's an 83% winning angle. And with that, we'll fade the Baltimore Ravens again this week in our awesome angle, classic division sandwich play on the football card in the NFL this weekend. And with that, let's hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what he's got on tap this week. And also, Victor, rumblings about Tuco cashing a nice ticket last week. Does Tuco have another play on tap this week? Mark Tuco does indeed. We're going to hold off on that one for our totals tip sheet readers. Cool. And uh, for our service, uh, let's see here. We're at 67% in our college bowl totals thus far. We're pleased with that. Uh, We'll have action on Wednesday night and on Friday night in the college bowls. And in the NFL this week, we've got a totals triple play going on Saturday in which we're going to be going over the total in all three games. That, of course, will also be available at the playbooksports.com website and we're going to give the ball to our other doggy this week, and that would be Monkey, also known as Isabella, off a winner last Thursday with Seattle and San Francisco under the total. This week's free play is going to be an under, and we're going to be hitting one of these nasty weather sites. Uh, this particular game is going to be in the Windy City with the Chicago Bears hosting the Buffalo Bills. The wind forecast, anywhere from 20 to 35 miles per hour. The over-under line currently at 40 and a half. Let that be your target. We don't want to go any lower than that. 40 is a key number in the NFL. So make sure you can get your action in at that line of 40.5 points. Now, we could very well see a lot of rushing plays in this one as both the Bills and the Bears are ranked amongst the highest in the league this season. Chicago averaging 5.5 yards per rush. Buffalo also up there at 5.0 themselves. And we took this out of the rushing portion of our database in the last four seasons. NFL games have gone 2-20 over-under. That's two overs, 20 unders, when both teams average 4.9 or more yards per rush. That applies in this particular game, uh, which uh, Chicago, a uh, excuse me, with the Buffalo Bills, a chalky non-conference road favorite this week. We have to mention this as well. AFC road favorites of less than 10 points have gone an amazing 2-26 and 26 over-under versus any NFC opponent. It's just basically AFC teams... Favored on the road by less than 10 points against any NFC opponent. And that's a fantastic number, 93% under the total. So we got Buffalo coming in with an 11-3 straight-up record. Chicago exactly opposite at 3-11. And And here's another good one from the database. 5-23 over under since 2014. Game 5 or greater. Greater than 750 favorites of less than two touchdowns, that's Buffalo, 
against any opponent with a winning percentage of less than 250. That is Chicago. And uh, we also have uh, last week it was a 25 to 20 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles for the host Buffalo uh, Chicago Bears this week. Uh, again, we'll wrap it up with this one nine and one over under last two seasons. Any NFL team off a home loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in their last game. Wrapping it up, Mark, you know, the Buffalo Bills have played seven road games this season. Guess what? All seven of them have gone under the total. Wow. The average margin of minus 9.3 points per game. There's no way we're going to be fading that. Yes, the Buffalo home games tend to be a little higher scoring. But again, on the road this season, zero overs, seven unders. We're playing the Bills and the Bears under the number of 40 and a half points. Mark, don't forget, we've got the bowl guide still available. We got this week's playbook newsletter available. This week's midweek alert still available. And don't forget the totals tip sheet as well. Uh, and don't forget our triple play of totals on Saturday in the NFL. That's what we have planned. I'm sure Mark's got a big weekend in store as well. Victor, all I can tell you is I'm glad I wasn't standing on a ladder when you gave us that Buffalo stat because I would have fallen off the ladder. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Let me see if I mark this down correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But what we've got in, uh, is any AFC single-digit road favorite against an NFC team. Simple. Wow. 2-26 and 26 over under. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's from Victor King our 4D database guru finding that gem inside the database. Mark that down, guys, for this particular weekend with a little bit of added whipped cream on the pie, just given the fact that Buffalo, as Victor mentions, has gone under all seven road games this football season. And be sure to get on Victor's triple. You, you call it a triple. What's your your top total play, Victor? I'm sorry, one more time. Triple play of totals. There we go. I like that. Triple play of totals. This weekend at playbooksports.com. You can log on, pick those up for the weekend just in time for all of your Christmas holiday football games this weekend. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, as Victor mentioned here, I've got a big week on tap this week. It's a five-star college bowl game of the month week of winners. And what it includes, guys, is this. It's every college football bowl release I make starting this Saturday through Thursday, including our five-star bowl game of the month, all of our other college bowl game selections, and our NFL plays for just $99 complete. You can pick it up online at playbooksports.com or give our office a call toll-free for the five-star college bowl game of the month week of winners at 1-800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary play, our good friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering our listeners a double first-time deposit bonus. All you need to do to take advantage of this outstanding offer is log on at mybookie.ag, enter the promo code PLAYBOOK, and you'll become a double your first-time bonus customer at mybookie.ag. Just like that, it's just as simple. With that, let's get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, and we're going to look at the Monday night football game when the Indianapolis Colts play host to the L.A. Chargers in this contest, and we're going to go right on back onto the most embarrassed team 
We talked about it at the beginning of the show, but Indianapolis Colts who come off that red-faced loss, if you will, to the Minnesota Vikings. First of all, they're making a quarterback change in this football game here. Victor mentioned it earlier. Nick Foles is behind center here for the Colts. And if you look at Foles' record in his career in the National Football League, he's been outstanding as a home underdog in this particular role. What you have here is a home dog with a better defense playing on a Monday night football game. That's where the better defenses really shine on Monday nights. Enter the L.A. Chargers coming to this football contest. They're back in the playoff picture. From what we reviewed on our current playoff picture standings there, they're right now they would qualify if the playoffs began this weekend. And they know they've got three losing opponents for their next three football games on tap. The Chargers, look at that. They're on easy street, man. We're in the playoffs now. We've got three losing opponents. Let the playoffs begin. It's not going to be that easy this Monday night. Mark it down. They have the worst yards per rush defense in the National Football League, do the Chargers. They're allowing 5.5 yards per rush. That bites every team in the National Football League when they dress up as a road favorite. You wrap it all up, hold your nose, get the clothespin out, and take the points with the Indianapolis Colts for my complimentary play on the football card Monday night. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. For our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.